Welcome to the Community Hotline, a place where everyday community members are heard and they can share their personal experiences with the youth. Today, we have the amazing Nick on the stage. Hey, Nick, why don't you introduce yourself? Give us a quick intro. Uh, my name is Nick. I uh, live in Canada. Uh, Bob and I met uh, not, too, uh, not too long ago. Uh, we remained, uh, remained friends. I uh, hired uh, Bob to do some uh, photography for me. He did some good work, taught me a lot about photography. And uh, yeah, we've stayed in touch ever since. Love it, love it. Let's start with a quick game. Tell us two truths, one lie. Two truths, one lie. Um, this, is, this is a good, good one. I, I never know what to say for the lie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, give, give me a sec. Uh, let me let me think of one. Um, hmm. I uh, actually I, I think I could, I could come up with one. Um, I uh, two truths one lie. Two truths one lie. Putting you on the spot over here. Yeah, I never I never know what to say for these. Okay. Um, I I love candles. Like, um, I could, uh, like, I smell, like, a uh, hundred candles. I find that very enjoyable. I like uh, fragrances. Um, I like to, um, uh, I have a cat. I take good care of my cat. My cat's name's uh, Felix. So the second one is uh, my my cat. I, I, I love animals, and my cat's my uh, my favorite. Um, I, um, uh, I uh, and uh, I enjoy outdoor activities. I love snowboarding. I love skiing. I like um, hiking, things of this nature. So the first one was, uh, what was uh, the first one? The scented candles. candles. Second one was the Felix the cat. And the third one is, uh, I'm very outdoorsy and I love act uh, outdoor activities. That's tough. Do you not have a cat? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> I hate cats. <laughs> yeah. Cats are so antisocial. I would never, I would never own one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What happens when you go over a girl's house and they have a bunch of cats? Was that like a red flag for you? I uh, just ignore the cat, man. <laughs> 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 if the cat tries to sit, sit, sit on my lap or whatever, I'm pushing the cat off, man. <laughs> or, more, more, or more commonly, it's like I'll have her like lock the cat in the bathroom or whatever, man. <laughs> I just, I don't like them. They're licking themselves and stuff, right? It's just, yeah, I, don't, I, I really don't like cats. It makes sense. It makes sense. I'm more of a dog person myself. All right. Let's get into the first question of the day. Uh, it's going to be super deep. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Okay. Here we go. What are the top three defining moments in your life and how did they impact you? Top three defining moments would be the first one, um, breaking a, a fitness uh, plateau. So fitness was something that uh, at one point, I still feel like I'm very strongly about fitness. I love working out. I like, uh, um, like I have a home gym in my house here, but uh, breaking a personal, like a goal, I set out to lift X amount of weight and like uh, to build myself up physically to look a certain way. Uh, one time I was very, very hardcore into that. So that was a defining moment to supply myself and like uh, just the ability to kind of craft my body. That was a, like a character defining thing. Um, the second one would be the first job I got, uh, 
in uh, the field I'm most passionate about, computer programming. So like uh, getting that first job was uh, like uh, probably the high point, like even though like now obviously I make more after like being in the industry for as long as I've been. But like that first job was uh, like uh, nothing, like nothing feels as good as like getting that first job, getting more money is just, it, it's just not the, it's not the same. And the third one would be character defining moment, um, traveling. So like doing my first solo trip, that was uh, um, like a very character defining like experience. My first solo trip was to Tokyo, which uh, like other side of the world, very random. Many people prefer to travel to Europe. It's a, a lot more familiar for folks coming from Canada and the U.S. So going to Tokyo for the first time was very uh, was very character defining and yeah made me like really really consider traveling as a like a long term like hobby I want to participate in. Love that, love that, man. So we have um, we have fitness, that's your first job in programming, and then uh, traveling on your on your own. What was your what was your fitness goal? Was it to like bench press two hundred kg or something? uh a little more it was about uh 405 so 405 was that uh, was the heaviest bench I ever put up and like the heaviest <laughs> squat was like over over six and like mass wise was i was i was ginormous yeah how many how much protein were you taking in that day a lot man and like uh just from food and then like the protein shakes and whatnot is just yeah I, like i pushed myself to the edge i love that man Let's start with the first topic of the day, which is education. Then, um, tell us. Let's get into let's get into fitness. Tell us that personal story. What made you want to, you know, go on that fitness journey or start, you know, hitting those weights? Initially, like I've, I'd always been like like most like young guys. Like you go to the gym, you work out for a short period of time, um, you get like uh, the results that you get. Most people aren't going to go home and like uh, investigate why it is that they aren't making the progress that they want to. It's like for most people, it's like the cycle is just you work out, you look slightly better, you get discouraged, especially when you're younger, you step away, but you never actually like learn how to work out, learn how to actually like grow yourself. So like I remember like um, like uh, walking to the gym and then deciding one day that I wasn't going to uh, I was, wasn't going to stop, I was going to continue. And then like from that point on, just researching how to work out, researching how to like uh, like lift progressively heavier weight to like across that like a threshold from like benching 315 to 405 like uh it's not enough to just go in and actually like uh, just like lift like often you have to look into the science of like weightlifting and powerlifting you have to do a little bit of research you have to like uh, learn some new terms learn how to supplement better learn how to eat better learn how to schedule your programming better so just getting invested in that that was really the first time I'd ever really applied myself to that level to like a, a hobby right so like uh, that was um, it was character defining because it was like really the first time where I've ever just gone out and just like built it from the ground up like in the same way like uh, a guy who's into like woodworking would like uh, like probably like uh, iterate on like building progressively like better furniture or whatever it is that they want to build. Got it. How old were you when you started this? Uh, fifteen. Right. And how long did it take you to go from two hundred to four hundred? Uh, from 200 to 400, probably like six, six years. I hit like 400 at like age 21. So like, uh, but like, um, initially I was just kind of working out and like, I was getting better, but like the heaviest I ever lifted was like 275, which like I was plateaued at for like, uh, like from like 19 to like 21. So like what I did was just, I just like decided I, I want to go to the next level 
and I just like push myself harder and like research like uh, powerlifting specifically, not just bodybuilding, but like powerlifting to learn how to like lift uh, lift heavier weight. What's the difference between powerlifting and bodybuilding? It's like the goal in like bodybuilding is like um, you want to like build your muscles to actually be bigger, but in powerlifting you want to push progressively like heavier weight. So you could have powerlifters that are like uh, very big and like sloppy and like they look kind of fat, but they're very very strong just because they've trained themselves to lift the weight. Or you could have a very skinny like uh, guy who goes up to uh, who goes to the gym and like trains to just lift like heavy weight. But like if you saw him in the street, like uh, like uh, just uh, in public, right? He'd be very unassuming. He wouldn't look like a weightlifter. But like with bodybuilding, it's like you don't have to lift like super heavy weight in order to grow your muscles. You just have to lift with uh, time under tension and eat a certain way in order to to get that kind of response. Love that. Tell us, who were you in high school? Was I in high school? Um, that's a difficult one. I've always felt uh, I was I was more of a wild card. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Elaborate. like. Um, I um, like uh, I like got like I, I got along well with everybody. So like uh, I was friends with the, with the golf kids. I was friends with the athletes. I was friends with the, like good-looking women. Um, I was like uh, I don't know, like fairly intelligent. Um, I was like uh, very athletic as well too. So like I had uh, like my hand a, a little bit on a little bit of everything. So in many ways, uh, like really didn't really fit in in any one particular like kind of niche or or clique, right? Just because I was so so versatile. Love that. How have you? What, what were some of the biggest changes you've seen uh, from, from the time you were in high school to now? Um, initially, like um, I wanted to to belong to like uh, one like uh, you know everybody wants to to like uh, know where they they kind of fit in like uh, socially, right? But just more so embracing like uh, trying new things, uh, exploring some of the, the interests I have beyond like uh, some of the the more kind of like common conventional things others were doing. So like um, as I've gotten older, I've learned to embrace like uh, doing things more I want to do. So um, I, if if I want to like uh, interact with uh, I don't know, person X Y Z to to do painting or whatever, or if I want to interact with person X Y Z in order to do powerlifting, just embracing like uh, like all that life has to offer that I want to participate in. So I guess the answer to your question is just embracing just doing whatever I want want to do. Do you find that? Uh it was more challenging to embrace things when you were younger? Um, yeah, in, in high school, like uh, everybody wants to fit neatly into like uh, a specific box. So like I found that when I was in high school, just because um, I, I like, uh, like obviously like if you're trying to fit in between so many different niches, some of these folks aren't going to get along. Some, <laughs> some folks aren't going to embrace some of the interests you have. There's certain folks like uh, you can't talk about like, for example, uh, my interest in like anime or my interest in like traveling to Japan, right? Some folks may not want to hear about that kind of stuff. Mm. So like, um, like at the time, just I compartmentalized my interactions with everybody. But like now, so uh, more so now, I, I've learned to uh, kind of embrace all my interests and like uh, just find like-minded people and just uh, don't mind as much what uh, what people have to say. I love that. Did you go to a, a public school or a private school growing up? A public school. So initially I grew up in... Um, in Ottawa here, um, there's a small uh, city called uh, Rockland, and that school is uh, about 50,000 people. Um, no, not 50,000, about uh, 500 people, 500 people. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, was, the city was 50,000 people, but the school was 500. So right. like uh, 
for like uh, primary school and like up, up to like uh, grade 10, I went to um, like uh, to, to school out there, 500 people. Then like uh, for the last two years of high school, I went to a bigger school, St. Peter's High School, that had 2,000 people. So like all those issues before became a lot more pronounced when uh, you had more kind of defined cliques in a larger school, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. How would you, you got any advice on, on kids in high school now on how to navigate the, the different cliques and uh, how to survive high school? Yeah, my advice to like uh, to kids out there would be to embrace uh, embrace yourself. So um, don't focus so much on like a fitting a, uh, a given niche. Don't focus so much on fitting in with a particular group of friends. Uh, be open minded. Be uh, willing to like uh, interact with people who you may not think uh, like uh, well who you may have some preconceived notion about. So just uh, yeah, just be open minded. Be willing to to interact with a uh, with whomever and don't don't put yourself in a box what about the kids who who, who don't want to go to college you think that's important i think um in in, in the information era uh, um even if you don't want to like uh like uh, go to uh, go to college for i don't know something something to, to, to do with math like a stem stem discipline science technology engi um, engineer uh, engineering and math then uh, whatever your passion is, there is vocational training for whatever it is that you're interested in. So um, I like um, I understand that like uh, like some kids may not want to go to university, some kids may not want to go to college, but um, I would encourage all kids to pursue vocational training in whatever it is that they want to do. But also, don't be afraid to think outside of the box. If you want to learn, for example, uh, film, but you don't want to go to school, then just apply yourself fully to film. And just study it on your own. Create a YouTube channel. Uh, don't be afraid to experiment. But um, I would recommend school for for most kids. But uh, if you're like if you're if you, if you really uh, if you could really trust yourself to apply apply yourself in whatever craft it is that you that that, that you want to pursue, then yeah, I would just apply apply my. Uh, I, I would recommend that they apply themselves, and then if they want to go further, then invest in uh, vocational training. That's always a plus. Got it. And for your for your programming, did you go to school for that, or did you learn that on your own? No, I was uh, a criminology major at the, the University of uh, Windsor here in Canada. So halfway through, like uh, my uh, like uh, my academic career at the uh, Windsor, I started uh, experiencing actually like uh, this weird like um, like spasm uh, around here, just from like uh, I was eating so much, like uh, doing the powerlifting thing. And part of powerlifting is just <laughs> if you had to go up a weight class, then you got to kind of force feed yourself. Then that spasm, like when I would work out, like uh, would create like uh, like uh, so my heart would be like uh, beating fast, but then like that spasm of my esophagus, so your esophagus is the tube going into your stomach, would uh, be uh, spasming like uh, if uh, I got any stomach acid. So obviously when you work out, um, stomach acid goes into your esophagus, then it spasms. So if your heart's beating and you're having that spasm, it makes you, it gave, it gave me the the sensation of having an arrhythmia. So like um, after experiencing that, I stopped. Um, Stopped going to, uh, to 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 the gym for like a, a good like a year and a half, and uh, while I wasn't going to the gym, that's when I really like I went from just having Linux on my PC to really like programming for like 10, 10 hours a day, just watching YouTube videos, programming. At one point, I would just uh, program, hop in the shower uh, every three hours, think in the shower whenever I was stumped on a problem, come out, program some more. Off in the shower, I'd end up taking three, four showers a day. 
I love that. I love that. Any uh, any 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 uh, technology tips? You know, for the kids out there, how do you how do you hack into the CIA? <laughs> oh, how do you hack into the CIA? Um, we can talk about that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any, um, but yeah, any, um, I don't know, any, any, any tips that you find that, that people, you know, common mistakes that people make when they use the computer or the internet that might be helpful? Um, what I would recommend is, uh, like if you're a kid, for example, who wants to like, um, consider like, uh, software or whatever, like a field that you may be intimidated by, um, like reach out to people that are uh, working in that field, uh, be willing to, to learn on your own. And uh, yeah, whatever your passion is, pursue it. So if you're interested in computers, but you're also interested in, say, making YouTube videos or whatever, uh, be willing to go on the internet and just research uh, research how to do it. If you do want to hack uh, the CIA or do things of that nature, there there are websites about that, right? So anything you <laughs> want, anything you could want to do, I won't I won't tell you the websites, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there are websites for that. Everything's on the internet. I love it. Let's move on to the uh, the next topic of the day, which is money. Tell us, um, what is money? Money is life. <laughs> yeah, it's just mon- money. Like my, my philosophy about money is money is um, yeah, money is important to to, to life, right? Like uh, money is not the the be and uh, be all or like an end all, but like uh, money is important. You don't need a lot of money to like uh, like uh, to be happy, nor do you need a lot of money in order to uh, be secure. Um, like if you go into any of the like uh, just as anecdotal, but any of the affluent like uh, neighborhoods in whatever like a city in North America, um, you can find people who like uh, make X amount of dollars and live uh, in in a house b- b- next to somebody who makes much less. But the uh, folks that make much less money are just more strategic with their money. So it's not about how much you make. It's about your philosophy about money. Um, if you're uh, strategic about how it is that you uh, you you get the money and how you spend it, right? Then yeah, you could uh, you could effectively have more money than somebody who, on paper, like that makes more money than you. Oh, I love that! I love that. Tell us, how has your idea of money changed from high school to now? My idea of uh, how. Uh, I guess um, in high school, I always struggled to to find uh, um, to find work. Uh, so like my uh, just uh, with the racism here in, uh, in Canada, I would uh, like um, 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 go out with my friends, put out resumes. Everybody else would be hired uh, except for myself. So like that always uh, like uh, that always uh, like upset me. And then like just I guess that uh, that experience gave me a certain attitude towards like uh, towards money. So like I, I want more of it. I want to go out and make more just because that. Uh, a scarcity of like coming back from like uh, university, like over the summers and whatnot, and not being able to have a job when a person like a XYZ had a car. That really just uh, lit a fire under me to, to really go out there and like uh, to uh, to have a, I wouldn't say I, I, like have a scarcity a scarcity mentality, but uh, when you do experience some scarcity, then obviously you're going to be more uh, you're going to you're going to be more uh, like a fixated on on the money money topic, right? Love that. Can you can you can you share with us your uh, personal experience on like your your first experience with racism in Canada? First experience would be like um, overall things are like uh, not not too, not uh, like a horrible here in Canada. Well, uh, not as bad as as it is in the in the U.S. 
Um, a lot of the time here it tends to be more uh, more subtle. So, for example, putting out resumes. My first, like, uh, like uh, I guess uh, I wouldn't say serious, but my first, like, uh, real world, quote unquote, like experience was just that experience trying to find work. So I would just put out resumes. Like I would, uh, like, have my uh, my uh, I go out with my friends. Like we were all like gym guys. Everybody got hired except for myself. Um, like there was a Tim Hortons in that small city I lived in. Um, like everybody, like, uh, like, uh, everybody used to, like, it, it was kind of a, like a, a, a joke in that city that like, if you needed a job, you could just walk into Tim Hortons and like, you could, you could have been fired like two weeks ago and, but you'd be able to get the job there. <laughs> so like, I tried to, I tried to apply there like, uh, easily, like, uh, over like a, a dozen times and I never got the job, but folks were, were quitting. They were getting fired and going in and out, uh, going in, and, uh, going in and out of Timmy's. So like, I'd say that was, uh, that was the most character-defining experience of uh, racism here. Mm. And how has that shaped your? How has that shaped your perception? Or um, the way that that shaped my perception was just um, a lot of the time. Like um, in Canada, it's not like uh, it's not going to be in your face. It's going to be more more subtle. So, like for example, being deprived of the opportunity to participate in the workforce and like seeing some of my other friends also experiencing the same thing. Then it just um, instilled a, a work ethic uh, in me that uh, I don't think would have uh, existed as much had I not gone through the, that uh, that experience with uh, like uh, uh, job security and things of this nature. And how did you get your first job in programming? Tell us about that process. Um, my first job in programming was uh, I was uh, I had uh, applied for uh, like a, I put myself in, into like a, a recruiter like a, like a candidate bank. But like, obviously, since I was doing a lot of programming on my own, I didn't know, like, uh, I was, uh, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I was good enough yet to, to get a, to get a job. And then like, uh, I was trying to get, uh, I was trying to find work outside of uh, programming because I, I didn't want to deal with like uh, the letdown of like the field I actually do want to enter, like getting rejected there. So like, uh, after getting rejected from every other job, like, uh, like even being like a tester, um, I put myself in the candidate bank and like in Canada, there's a big demand for programmers. So like, um, a company called, uh, in touch insights, um, like, um, um, like, um, uh, well, I guess talked to a recruiter, uh, brought me out and then, uh, I did very well on the technical interview and like, uh, I didn't know what to expect because, uh, I, w I was grooming myself for like, uh, for like years in university to, to, to work in this field. Right. And then after getting that first job, I just, uh, I never looked back. I kind of just ran with it. I love it. What are some, uh, what, what, what are some things people can expect in a programming job, like their first programming job? What would you have told yourself back then to like prepare for? Um, I guess programming is like, uh, half an art, half a science. So like, um, I would like uh, recommend anybody who's interested in pursuing programming or like, um, uh, I guess this is advice for any field but like to research what it is that you actually need in that field. So like if you uh, sp um, uh, go on the internet, you can find like uh, a map to like uh, whatever, like uh, to being a, a photographer or, or whatever, like a skills map. And if you could locate these skills map and then you could talk to people also in the, in the industry, then you'll have a good idea of where to focus like uh, the majority of your attention, right? So like if you're looking at like uh, photography or if you're looking at video making, it's very easy to like uh, be intimidated and like go on all these tangents and like, uh, like think you're like uh, getting better uh, at like uh, whatever your craft is. But like, if you like research what, what it is that you need exactly, then like, it's a lot easier to advance in whatever skill. 
Got it. If you don't mind um, sharing us, since this is your first job so long ago, what was the what was the first salary and the first programming job that you got? First salary was uh, 70K Canadian. Great. Yep. And it took you how long to get there from starting your programming journey to getting that first job? Probably like, I think it was like two and a half years. All right. So is it like realistic to tell the students that if they wanted to get make around 70K a year, and they, they would just have to put in around two, three years, and then they could they could make that jump to their first job. I would say that like for for, for most students, the best the, the best way to jump in is like for, for myself, like I, I'm a very intense person. <laughs> so like I, I, I could sit in front of I could sit in front of the computer and take like five showers a day, right? <laughs> so I could do that. It could be like uh, very nice outside. I could sit here and like work uh, X amount of hours. But like the best the best advice I would give is just there's so many of these like a like a code uh, like a coding camps, and the demand is so high that I think for most people it would be better to at least do the camp first, and then just get a, a certificate in like a whatever camp. Go to um, uh, what uh, Coursera has them, um, Udemy has one, and just get a lot of those like uh, low hanging certificates. And then also like uh, for some people like uh, programming just doesn't resonate with the way they think. But like there, there, there are other like tech adjacent jobs, for example, like uh, cloud engineering, um, uh, working on uh, automation, things of this nature. So like uh, don't get so uh, parochial about programming as a craft. Just explore some of the other jobs related to uh, to the field. Like uh, there's a, a lot go uh, a, um, a lot of automation going out there, uh, going on uh, out here. And like, uh, yeah, like um, within like every like programming company, they're like, there's so many different things you could be doing. You could be like doing uh, like a, a project management specifically for, for tech companies. You could be um, uh, what's it? Uh, um, um, a, a tester. So QA person, you could be a programmer. You could be uh, somebody who does a, a, a business and a, a business analysis. It could be a product owner. So many of these things like pay nearly as well. Some of them pay more because uh, these are like executive uh, class jobs that pay more than programming. So you're, if programming doesn't resonate with the way you think, then like maybe explore some of the other jobs that pay just as much, but maybe more conducive to the skill sets that like uh, that you have or that you want to develop. How would you define programming? How would I define programming? Um, like speaking to a child. <laughs> yeah, in simple terms. In simple terms. Oh, um, I, the way I would describe programming is just... Uh, Programming is like um, hmm, talking to the machine. So like, I think that's the best way to describe it. And like with programming, like uh, when we communicate with a person, um, like there's a there, there's a lot of gray area because it's just humans are intelligent enough to to, to, to fill in the, the gray area. But talking to a machine is like you got to be you have to be more direct. You have to be more uh, like. Um, like uh, uh, you have to be more direct, you have to be more accurate, you have to be like uh, sympathetic to the way the machine thinks. Whereas with a, a human, like in uh, humans, when they communicate, like will correct for for grammar, they'll correct for uh, logic errors and things of this nature. But uh, the machine isn't as sympathetic. I love that definition. Thank you so much. Let's move to the next topic, which is love. Tell us, what is love? What is love? What is love? That's a that's a hard one. <laughs> I think uh, love is a, I guess, a, a fondness for another another person. <laughs> yeah, like in in a personal sense, like uh, you can have a love for 
for something you're passionate about. You could have a love for like a, an animal. You could have um, a general love for the world. But like in a personal sense, then love is, uh, I guess, like um, a positive feeling towards like another human being. And uh, I don't think I go into like any more detail than that. But yeah, it's a positive. It's a positive feeling. It's a feeling of uh, I don't know, like I guess respect for the other person and admiration for for the other person and uh, things of this nature. Got it. Got it. What What would you you know? A lot of a lot of people they um you know they they struggle to to communicate sometimes with people that love them the most, such as their parents, you know, what, what is your relationship with your parents like? Oh, they're very strict. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, yeah, they're, they're very strict. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean like personal story. Oh, uh, personal story. Um, hmm. How strict uh, when, I, when I, when I used to come back from, uh, from university, like, uh, like during, like obviously the, the breaks in the summer, I set uh, like a curfew and I was uh, like 19 at the time. So like uh, there's curfews, there, there's certain like, uh, like uh, I don't know, certain things you sh can't talk about. It's like you, <clears throat> things are, are just a lot more strict like, uh, uh, like uh, with my family than they are with uh, many of my peers. I see. And do you have any siblings? Uh, yeah, I do. I have uh, two sisters, one brother. Got it. And how do they feel about the strictness? Um, I think ultimately the strictness was was for the best, but uh, like in hindsight, I would um, adopt some of the the like uh, the, the the best parts of the strictness with my parents. But uh, but like they were strict strict with everything across the board. But I would just be strict in the areas that matter the most. But also like uh, give my kids uh, the uh, like some of the the best parts of like what I saw with uh, my peers. Got it. What is your uh... What about your relationship with your siblings? You know, a lot of a lot of people they fight with their brothers and their sisters. Do you guys get along? Or... Yeah, we all we all get along. Yeah. Nice. Any any fights when you guys were growing up? Not really. Like um, everything was pretty much uh, it's pretty pretty smooth. Like um, our ages aren't too like um, like it's like two years older than me, two years younger than me, and then two years younger, uh, two years younger younger again. So like our ages were close enough that like uh, there wasn't really any like uh, like some of my friends like some 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 of their siblings are like six or seven years like uh, older so it's like well like I could see how that might cause some friction or some uh, feelings of uh, alienation or whatever. Love that. I love that. Tell us who was your first love. Who was my first love? Uh, damn, put me on the spot here, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. My first love, man. Hmm. Hmm. Do you just want names, or do you, do you want the, the circumstance? <laughs> well, I want the personal story. Oh, the personal story. Yeah. yeah the personal. The personal story was uh, she lived in my uh, in my residence, and then one time she uh, came down to to use the the um, was it the microwave on our floor. And then uh, I was uh, I was in there microwaving some food, and it was all like uh, smoky because like uh, it's cooking like bacon or whatever in the in the, in the microwave. <laughs> and then you know we made some jokes, and then from uh, from that point on we just uh, hung out and we saw each other for just uh, a few months. It was uh, the first year of uh, university, but uh, yeah, that was my uh, I guess that was my first love. I guess. Got it. And uh, you got any relationship advice for the kids out there? Relationship advice. The do's and the don'ts. 
do's and don'ts. Um, hmm. That's an interesting one. I guess um, don't don't go the, down the path of uh, how, how old how old is the, the audience? They're around uh, like thirteen to sixteen. Thirteen, sixteen. I guess um, don't go down the path of uh, some of the things that we're <laughs> we're we're seeing like uh, right now. So. Um, like find find a, a reasonable girlfriend or boyfriend, and uh, like um, just stay uh, stay with that person. Don't uh, don't don't swap too many like uh, like uh, like uh, don't go from like person to person uh, or whatever. It's just you're going to be a lot happier if you just find one person who you get along with, and then just grow grow with this person. I love that. How do you how do you show love to others? Um, like my my friends or like a uh, family. Uh, both uh with my friends i guess uh just being available like uh, with most of my friends i've always been um uh the person like uh like most of my friends trust me with like uh, secrets they don't tell some of the other friends so i've always had a very uh, approachable like a trustworthy uh, kind of uh like disposition so like uh like even within my like a friend circle like some of the girls would trust me more than they would even some of the their, their other female friends so i guess the way i show respect is just by uh just being trustworthy. Love that. And what about your family? What about your family? Oh, uh, well, my family. I guess um, like just being willing to like uh, advise, uh, like uh, like some of my, my my younger siblings, for example, about some of uh, some of the mistakes I've made, and uh, just telling them what some of the, the pitfalls that are out there, like in life, and just uh, sharing sharing the knowledge, and then just being available for uh, for them to, to reach out to in case things aren't going right. What are some pitfalls? Oh, some pitfalls would be like uh, I guess relationship stuff. <laughs> so like uh, relationship stuff, for example. So like uh, uh, telling them, for example, like uh, that advice I, I gave previously. Like just find somebody you get along with, uh, go, get along well with, stick with this person, grow with this person, and uh, don't look uh, don't don't look too much to, to the next uh, next thing. Got it, got it. And how do you receive love? How do I receive love? I don't receive enough. <laughs> uh, but uh, I guess uh, like uh, the, the way I receive it is um, like um, uh, the girl I'm seeing right now uh, earlier, like I uh, just came back from uh, running a, a marathon in uh, in France. She came back like uh, two days ago and uh, she reached out to me about like uh, meeting up tomorrow. And then uh, she uh, made plans. I just have to bring a, a picnic blanket. So, uh, yeah, we're going uh, out uh, to one of the parks uh, downtown here in Ottawa. And uh, I guess how I receive love or how I like to, to receive love in a, in a romantic context is just, I don't want to be carrying the plans. I don't want to be the, the one coming up with uh, like uh, the clever text messages. The way I receive it is just like, uh, I like it when uh, in my case, uh, the, uh, the girl or the, the woman puts in uh, the effort so that it's a, it's a 50, 50 kind of thing. Got it. Sounds like you, you like it when it's action, right? When, when, when you guys are hanging out like in, in person and all that. Exactly. And I also like it when, like, I don't have to come up with the plans. I don't have to be the one to reach out, like, hey, you're back. <laughs> Welcome back. Like, uh, I miss you. Like, hey, we should get together for a drink, right? And, like, uh, it's, always, it's, always a, it's always a drink as well, too. Let's let's go for a drink. So, in this case, just the fact that it was, like, uh, it wasn't going to, like, a, a bar. Um, like, uh, I'm trying – well, yeah, I'm going to be limiting my alcohol uh, consumption going forward. Uh, so, like, uh, I like that it was in a bar. 
Uh, I like that it wasn't a coffee shop. It was just, uh, it was clever. It was different. So I appreciate it. Love that. How is it? Have you, uh, has that, has that changed since, since, uh, since high school, the way that you received love through, through action? Has it always been like that or? Um, in, in high school, it was like uh, a lot more, a lot more casual versus now it's like, I, I like to, to deal with, uh, women on a, on a more substantial level. Got it. What about your parents? How do your parents show you love? How do they show me love? Uh, they call me frequently. So like, uh, how they show me love would just be like, uh, reaching out to me, for example, um, during the pandemic, I worked, um, I worked, uh, two jobs essentially. <laughs> and like, uh, the, like, uh, that was very taxing on my body. And then like, uh, when I was on the, like, uh, the phone with, uh, my, my mom, for example, on, uh, like, uh, on Sunday, she, uh, like, uh, thought like I, I sounded exhausted. So they just invited me over. And then like, uh, when I got there, like, uh, I hadn't seen them in like two months, even though they live on the other side of the city, they just said, Hey, why don't you just get on this scale? You're all kind of heavy. <laughs> yeah then my nephew pulled me onto the scale right so <laughs> and he, he's like he was like six at the time so i was like yeah get on the scale uncle nicky <laughs> so uh it's uh since it was my nephew i didn't feel too bad so i was like <laughs> I, I got on the i got on the scale i thought i was still like maybe 230 or whatever but i'd, I'd actually ballooned up to like 260 like 225 50 pounds <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! Yeah. It's, always your, it's always your parents that 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 know where to where to stick it, huh? Exactly, and like I, I appreciated it because like I, I didn't notice I had gained so much weight just sitting like uh, indoors, like uh, sitting in my in my my room essentially. Just um, like I can't really see the setup here, but like maybe you can see it a little bit off uh, off the mirror. But it's like it's like I have like two two like um like a PCs hooked up to like a screen or whatever. So I'm just literally sit on this uh, like big police dispatcher chair and just work 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 from like literally from like 8 a.m. to like uh, some days I was working till like like one in the morning one or two crazy 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 I love that well tell me who 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 do you who 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 do you have a better relationship with your mom or your dad uh probably my mom what's your relationship with your dad like uh, he's, he's very strict. So like, uh, <laughs> most of the time if we talk, like, uh, we're talking like, uh, like more, more kind of serious things like, uh, you know, finance or like, uh, like a politics or, uh, investment or things of this nature. Whereas like, uh, like, like most people's moms, like with, with your mother, you can talk about more like, uh, like relaxing kind of topics and like, uh, yeah, well not relaxing, but more, more, uh, like, uh, I guess I would say less tangible, but less, less serious, less like, uh, imperative, like things you have to do. You just kind of just talk in a like in a less formal way. Got it. Is there is there a reason why your dad's so strict? Was he in the military? Or was he brought up super strict or cultural? <laughs> Strictly cultural. So <laughs> I'm not sure. Is, is it the same for, for you as well too? Uh yeah, pretty much. I mean, my dad's my dad's. Uh, he, he, I think he comes from like a very communist era, where it's just like he does not talk. He's just he's yeah. more like uh action over words he's like i don't he doesn't want to hear anything he's just like like just show me that type of person exactly he's probably more likely to talk about like uh do xyz i'm doing xyz i did this right versus right. like you like yeah you can't you can't really talk in the same way you can with your mom right so <laughs> absolutely yeah. all right well to, to kind of wrap it up what are the top three piece of life advice you have for the youth uh, top three piece of advice I would give is uh, don't count yourself out. 
So like uh, if you're passionate about like um, like uh, an interest, like in today's day and age, you could go out there and just learn how to like uh, to do whatever like uh, on the Internet. So like I would encourage like uh, young kids to like uh, believe in themselves, whatever it is that they think they could do. So, for example, if you love soccer, you can go on the Internet, pick up some drills, whatever. But like uh, don't um, like put yourself in the box that you necessarily have to be a soccer player. Even you could be making soccer related content on YouTube. You could be. Uh, going to school to be like a physiotherapist and then specialize in, so in, in, in soccer players. You could be uh, going to school to, to learn um, uh, sports management. Just think outside the box. If you have a passion, um, explore it and uh, don't like uh, explore it like in a, in a, like a minimized kind of way. Like really like uh, look to look outside of the box to see where you can fit in with uh, whatever interest you have. The second one would be to uh, embrace all of your interests. So, like, uh, don't be too preoccupied with uh, what other people define as uh, cool or like a hip or things you need to do in order to to stay within the the click. So, like, uh, be willing to go outside the box, whether it's traveling to <clears throat> places other people aren't going, um, socializing with people that are outside of your click, um, um, going out there and like participating in activities that may not be like uh, things your, your friends are into. Like uh, think as an individual, so go out there and do your thing. And the last one would be like uh, like um, learn how to network, learn how to like uh, to foster relationships. So like uh, we live in a day and age. For example, Bob and I are friends, and Bob lives in Malaysia, and I live in Ottawa, Canada. But it's uh, like a lot more common now to for folks to uh, befriend others like uh, in any part of the world. So you could befriend people on your trips. You could meet somebody at the hostel. Uh, you can meet somebody even uh, playing video games. Um, I've seen YouTube content creators who they've never been in the same physical room, but like uh, they get on the they get on the the live stream and like they'll talk to each other, they'll coordinate with each other, they'll make business plans with one another, they'll critique each other's content and things of this nature. So think outside of the box would be the first one. The second one would be like uh, don't um, like um, what, what was the the second one? The first one was think outside the box. What yeah. was uh, the second? Don't don't. Don't worry about being in that friend group. Exactly. Don't worry about being in the friend group. And the last one was just now. Yeah, that you, just now that you said was, uh, you know, you can you can be friends with anyone. Exactly. Network, network with people. So relationships are very important, whether they're romantic or, or friendships or things of this nature. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nick. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Nick Odumo. So it's N-I-C-K-O-D-U-M-O. -O. Got it. And that's on the screen right now. Um, other than that, before I forget, uh, if you guys are based in uh, North America um, and you are going through uh, any suicidal thoughts, depression, and you need someone to talk to, Feel free to text home to 741-741. That is a national hotline. Uh, 24 hours a day, 365. We'll be there to answer your call. And uh, all I ask is that if you're feeling generous, that you do consider supporting the community hotline. Um, anyways, thank you guys for joining us today. And we'll catch you on the next episode.